Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. We record this live every Friday at 8.30 Pacific Standard Time, and you can re- watch it live on the WP Tonic Facebook page. Um, this is episode 322. I've got a really great panel. Uh, I'm going to let Matt Miros introduce himself first. Matt, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Hey, everybody. Matt Medeiros from MattReport.com, Pagely.com. You can learn everything about me at craftedbymat.com. That's great. I'm going to let Spencer introduce himself. Hi, Spencer Foreman from wplaunchify.com and now wpautomationlab.com. I help people learn how to use marketing automation for WordPress. And I'm going to let Chris introduce himself. Chris from lifterlms.com where we help course creators build sites with WordPress. <clears throat> I also have a podcast for course creators called LMS Cast. I thought you were losing your voice there for a second. I was. Oh, there we go. Um, John, John, would you like to introduce yourself? Got it. My name's John Locke. Uh, my business is Locke on Design and SEO. We help manufacturing companies with SEO. Yep, sure. Um, you need to increase your volume a little bit, John. There we go. And Morton, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, I am Morton, big Donald Duck fan. You know, the only Donald. I really thought you were going somewhere else with that, but okay. <laughs> the, only, the only Donald worth considering. Uh, <laughs> I didn't realize I was wearing this shirt until I got on the camera. Like, oh, this might be misunderstood. I need to stand farther away. <laughs> it started, folks. It started. It's already, um, it didn't take long, but it started. There I'm a go. senior staff instructor with, Linda, uh, with LinkedIn Learning, and I have opinions. Right, yes. Um, um, <laughs> here we go. Uh, before we start this conversation, I want to talk about one of my sponsors, and that's WP Fusion. What is WP Fusion? It is an amazing plugin. Um, if you really want your WordPress powered website, your membership site, your uh, learning management system, or your WooCommerce website to really communicate with your CRM of choice, like Active Campaign or Drip. This is the plugin for you. It will basically put your ability to communicate with these two key platforms in your um, marketing arsenal on steroids. It's just freaking amazing what you can do with WP Fusion. And if that sounds interesting, I suggest you go to their website and learn more. Plus, plus. You get an exclusive offer from um, listening to this podcast and being a supporter of the show. Um, basically, WP Fusion have offered an exclusive deal for the show. Um, if you go to the website and purchase one of their packages and use the coupon code WPTONIC, all in upper cases, you get a, a whacking 25% off any package that you choose. And that is exclusively offered at WP Tonic. Right, then let's go into the show, folks. Um, I've combined two stories together, but um, basically it's, I'm going to destroy his name, Mario Pajevi, 
explains the advantages of Gutenberg to users who rely on page builders. And then we have another story from WDev Studios, Beaver Builder versus Gutenberg, a case study. Um, I'm going to let Matt be his our guest. What did you think of these two? Um, Matt. <clears throat> well, I didn't get a chance to actually watch Mario's uh, video yet, uh, but I did read through WebDev's breakdown. I mean, it's pretty straightforward, right? I think that uh, we're really beating up the Gutenberg horse <laughs> at this at this point. Uh, I don't think. Um, listen, I, I think that it's it's good for some, bad for some others. We're still on the fence of how this whole thing is going to roll out. Um, but you know. The more I see Gutenberg being iterated, I think a lot of people lose sight of that, that it's still being iterated. Um, I think it's a good solution. It's not going to replace page builders and some of their advanced functionality anytime soon. Um, you know, in the case of the web dev article, the, that was more like uh, of the technical level, like comparing some of that stuff there. Uh, you know, I think there's going to be a case for, for both in some cases, in some websites. I think both it's going to live in both areas. but. Um, you know, I think just how it all breaks down to me is everyone is still so uncertain at this point. Uh, but, uh, yeah. yeah what, I mean, what, I, why do you think there is that uncertainty? Because I think you put that well, actually. Well, I mean, I, I just think that no one likes change. And we've talked about this, I, I believe, on the show before. Is like nobody likes change, so everybody's up in arms. But some of them have very good reasons. Others are just mad because it's it's change, right? I think uh, folks that have very good opinions about this stuff uh, position it really well, but I think there's just a lot of noise in the space, just like everything else in the world, uh, where we have to kind of break through that and understand what are the sane uh, you know, negatives for going forward with Gutenberg? What are the real challenges for end users and agencies? Um, and, and cutting out the stuff that people are just like, this is so stupid that we have blocks in WordPress now. Like, okay, let's let's get something more tangible here uh, to actually have a debate about, not just you don't like it. Like, what what is really the roadblock here? Technically, user-wise, you know, branding-wise, what is the challenge here? Um, and quite honest, I mean, using Gutenberg more over the last couple of weeks from just a, a layman's term coming in and touching it and, and moving things around, I, I didn't have any major challenges. I'm not crafting any sites with it yet or, or in it every day, but from what I see on the outside, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it uh, to some degree that some other folks are at. Oh, that's great. Um, we've got an, uh, another panelist joined us a little bit late, but most welcome, Lee Jackson. Would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners, obviously? Howdy, y'all. Can you hear me? Am I on mute or am I good? No, we can hear you, Lee. Sorry, I'm late. I had the wrong link. I was like trying to get everyone's attention and waving. I am Lee. I am from Angle Crown. We do WordPress development for design agencies, and I also run the Agency Trailblazer podcast. And a great podcast it is. I listen to it. Uh, Rob Spencer, what did you think of these two? I'm going to take this as a a practical step-by-step roadmap because it's really simple. (laughs) Cannot change the fact that it's coming. It's just going to happen. So first step is accept it's coming. And then what do you want to do? So for at least my decisions, uh, I've decided to install the do not put that on there automatically option because there's nothing worse than waking up one day and realizing, oh, it's that day that 5.0 was released and every single client of mine is in a nightmare situation. So prepare for it like that, then go play. The second thing is like how and when you want to use it 
I mean, honestly, I remember from the beginning, very beginning of WordPress, everything that kept getting added made it better. But nobody in version 1.0 of anything ever thought like, wow, this is the best it could be. The only reason this is getting such a hard knock is because there's other page builders that are very mature. So I say, play with it on the side. Maybe it's going to be released 2, 3, 4, 10, 12, whatever it is. Eventually, they'll figure this stuff out and it'll be comparable for people who want a native page builder experience to use it instead of maybe some of the other page builders. But by then, I think we'll be having holographic websites and you know people traveling back and forth to Mars or whatever the time frame. doesn't matter because if you want to use it, use it now. If you don't want to use it, stop it from happening. And that's all you need to worry about. Everything else is kind of like, cool, there's new stuff coming. But at least, and this is the big part, at least they didn't force us to accept it without any other alternative. Because if they had forced that down our throats, like you must do this or you're done, I, I think it would have been a much different scenario. So what do you recommend, Moulton? Are you somebody that's written, I think you've written some, you've done some good videos on this subject yourself, haven't you? Well, the, our, like, this, this whole is Gutenberg a page builder thing keeps popping up again and again and again. And I think it it's, um, exemplifies the key issue around Gutenberg, which is terrible, terrible communication. Uh, it's just the way that Gutenberg is being talked about by the people who develop it simply does not communicate clearly what it is. And there's too much, there, there's a lack of, there's a lack of clarity in where it's going beyond stage two is the customizer. And then people go, can you please ver- like describe what that means? And no one can. And the funny part is no one can because it has not been discussed yet. This is just this, very general idea that blocks migrate outside of the editor. It's not beyond that. And I can tell you that because I've talked to all the people who work with this and that's where we are. So there's um, Gutenberg or the block concept looks like and can eventually become a block uh, page builder tool, whether that is in core or whether that is through plugins or whether that is through something entirely different. No one knows because it has not been done yet and it has not been explored. But I can see why people think it is simply because you can take a bunch of blocks and put them together and you can nest them inside one another and you can do things. So in in a sense, you can sort of build pages with it, right? Um, kind of. What's the difference though? In a practical sense, I mean, if it's a custom post type, but isn't a page layout a page layout is a page well, layout? I think the idea of... When people talk about page builders, they talk about adding a bunch of, you know, fancy features where you can have like a page with a bunch of static content and then a blog section that shows the latest blog posts and then some other dynamic content that comes in. And this stuff isn't quite possible yet. But then at the same time, the way page builders do it is often really wonky and it outputs some really god-awful horrible HTML and CSS that really shouldn't be on any website. So it's a it's a really tricky conversation because there is the potential of Gutenberg being all these things. Then there is the idea of Gutenberg being all these things, which is just an idea in people's heads. And then there's the reality of Gutenberg right now being an, an editor replacement. And then we have this terrible communication where everyone keeps saying, on the one hand, they say, Gutenberg is just an editor replacement. They don't say that. What they say is, if you don't like Gutenberg, you can install the classic editor plugin and that disables Gutenberg, which is the same as saying Gutenberg is just an editor replacement. And then at the same time, the same person also says, 
the next step of Gutenberg is to move it all beyond the editor, at which point the classic editor wouldn't be able to compensate, right? So uh, until we have clarity of where this is going, until we have a clear communication about what it is right now, we will continue having these conversations about what Gutenberg can do, what it, whether or not it stacks up against things that it shouldn't be compared to, and people will try to make it do things it can't do, get frustrated with it, then complain that it's not doing the thing, then have the developer say, well, it can't, but it will at some point, maybe in the future, possibly. And then we're just in this endless cycle. Uh, hey, I, I, I want to interrupt. Sorry. I want to ask Morton another question. Since you seem to have, again, some really good insider information on this from conversations, so the, what is the purpose of Gutenberg? Like, has anybody no, come no, with, like, no, 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 I'm not being argumentative. I mean, no, no, it's not that. It's let, just, let me just ask him the question. I'm saying, is it to just replace the editor, or was there a higher purpose that was ever like conceived of? Like, this yeah. should eventually be. It was I'll, never. I'll answer that. Answer that really quick because we got yeah. to get moving. Yeah. Right. Right. It was never. It was never to replace the editor. Okay. It was always to replace everything. It just started <laughs> with the editor and got stuck there. Yeah. Yeah. That's well. I think you've put it so well, actually, Morton. That's why I included these two stories. Um, it was the um, the thing that interested me was the lack. Um, the mixed messages that seem to be so overwhelming over the whole WordPress community over this. Um, what do you think, John? What did, was just to finish off, and then I think we go on to the other story. Yeah. Uh, here's what regular users want, no matter if you're using the classic editor or Gutenberg. I you need to increase your volume a bit more, John. Oh, okay. Um, I don't or know. shout. Or shout. That, is this better? Yeah. Okay, I'll just stand really close. Here's what regular users want from any editor, Gutenberg or otherwise. Uh, they want to be able to create a page of content in Microsoft Word, copy, paste it into the page, and have it be pretty much formatted. Uh, if Gutenberg can do that, then you're going to see no pushback from the regular users when this finally gets merged into core. Right. And um, Lee, what do you think? Uh, I have a very simple understanding of what Gutenberg is. Gutenberg essentially allows a non-designer, which is most people using WordPress in the back end, to be able to create well-structured content because it's really important to be able to create well-structured content that's readable and legible. A page builder is a design tool, which designers would use. Uh, very similar to a Photoshop tool, etc. So I see the two as very, very different. And I see Gutenberg as a positive change for WordPress with regards to helping the everyday user start to create better, structured, more readable content, especially in things like blog posts and standard pages. So, uh, And it's taken me a long time to come to this. Uh, and it's actually taken playing with the tool to really start to understand that concept. Right, I right. think a lot of people have, have not played with it and have just got opinions based on it without getting stuck into it. That's Sorry, true. Yeah. yeah, that's a good observation. I'm um, going to move on to the next story, and I'm going to let Chris lead with this. Um, uh, I'm introducing love into this conversation, folks. Uh, um, the Tinder lawsuit is getting nasty. Um, this is a story about Tinder and Match.com. Um, what did you think of this story, Chris? Because, <laughs> like, why am I talking about this? <laughs> You're on mute. Unmute. Um, I'll, I'll mute him. 
Pardon me. The uh, internet has an issue with ob- making objectifying people and and Tinder and these dating apps and things, or or it can just be customer support. Uh, the way I see people treat customer support representatives sometimes, or um, you know, just internet personalities or YouTube videos, men, women dating. There's just an issue I see in our culture where objective objectification and turning people into objects on a two-dimensional screen, uh, we're losing some social intelligence in our culture that is very important and also somewhat alarming to me. And I don't have the solution for that, and I'm not against technology or dating, but it's uh, or dating online, but it seems like we have some issues in how we treat one another, especially in a romantic context. And I think the startup cultures specifically tend to kind of uh, experience these problems before the majority comes. So that's those are a bunch of high-level comments, but I, I do see the issue, and I think a lot of it just yeah. comes from objective. I think, I think you were great there. The reason why I introduced um, this story is that it's been an ongoing theme in the past three to six months of this show about ethics and startup companies. Secondly... Um, I was interested, obviously, it, it's a lawsuit about money, but also the sexual har- harassment element has been greatly introduced into this story in this lawsuit. And fundamentally, the mixture between work culture and personal life. And also, um, I think this um, this leaning to have these um, so-called meetups, these company meetups, the, these um, whatever terminology you want to call, where they have um, a, vaca- a kind of work vacation and everybody meets up. I think they're going to get a bit less popular because I think pe- some people don't have boundaries, don't know um, how to exclude. And also think these startups want that because they they can get more work out of people. What do you think, Spencer? I don't know why you have the story here at all. <laughs> just, this is so, I can't figure out, uh, despite what you just said, I have no idea why the story is here. If, well, I'm, I'm, going, if I'm going to comment on it, I only want, wait, I only want to say one thing. The only part of this that has any like relevance to me is the paragraph that says in an interview with CNN, uh, the, the plaintiff, I suppose says Blatt climbed on top of her in a hotel room after a company holiday party in 2016. She says the advances were not consensual. I wasn't there. Nobody was there. Who knows? But I just say to myself, like there's certain startups that have a lot of money that have holiday parties. And I think historically there's a lot of movies been made about bad things happen at company holiday parties. So in general, whatever happened, happened, but it just seems like very few startups I know in the WordPress ecosystem, other than WordPress themselves, are having these mammoth, mammoth, you know, drunken holiday parties. I don't know that any of us are ever going to have any reason to worry about this topic. All right, shall we go on to the next story? Thumbs up or thumbs down? I want to see a visualization. Please go on to the next story. It feels awkward. (laughs) Idea, on to the next story. This is, all right, classic press, Gutenberg not included. Who was the star? Let's have Morton. Come on, unboot yourself, Morton. Start off with this one. What did you think of this one? So, let's see. In uh, December last year, I wrote this. 
If a clean fork is not created of WordPress, part of the community will shard off and force a fork. This will be damaging to the community as a whole because it will create an antagonistic relationship between those who support the classic fork and those who stay with the Gutenberg branch. With a clean fork, much of this animosity can be avoided or remedied, and we won't end up with a fractured community. I feel like I've said this shit before. This is exactly what everyone saw would happen. It is not surprising. The, the, in, like, yeah. Oh, I'll say, pre- I'll say, pre- sorry. I, I'm sorry to interrupt. Martin, do you think this fork thing is going to happen or do you think that it just, already has? I mean, it's like succeed. Like people will go and, you know, actually accumulate, start using it in oh, yeah. higher. Oh yeah. This has been, this has been an obvious consequence since day one. Yeah. And it's irresponsible of WordPress leadership, whoever that is, to not have done this properly. I mean, the correct course of action from day one would have been to say, we are going to freeze development of WordPress Classic or call it whatever you want, the legacy branch at 4.9 point, whatever we end up with before Gutenberg gets merged, right? And we are going to keep that as a legacy model with security updates for and a specified number of years. It will not evolve beyond this, but this is where you stick if you don't want to adopt Gutenberg, right? That gives people a long runway where they can off-ramp or on-ramp or do whatever they want. That has been, for reasons unknown, not an option. And there's no explanation for why it's not an option. It's just never been an option. I, I, think, I, I think it's because there's this idea that if you just get people, like if you force people to adopt Gutenberg, then they'll realize that they actually want it, right? Which is not how software development is done. Well, I could, I could Literally tell you. not how it's done. So, so what happens, obviously, is if you don't do that, then someone will say, okay, we're just going to like slice the thing and take it and then make our own community. And the second you force someone to do that, which is exactly what's happening right now, you get this animosity that's artificial. And the animosity will then increase in growth because it'll be like the people on the one side say, oh, don't use the fork because it's stupid. And on the other side, it's like, well, those people are forcing things on you that you don't want. So you get this conflict that should not be there in between people who should be cooperating on doing something. So it's just bad leadership this was obvious from the get-go. A lot of us warned that it would happen. And now that it's happened, everyone's like, oh my God, we need to... No, this is, this is the consequence of bad decisions. And it can be fixed. That's the worst part of this. They, like, the people who make decisions here can simply say, hey, we're going to make this so that there is a frozen version of WordPress as a legacy version. And this entire problem just goes away on its own. Uh, what did you think, Mike? I, I mean, I, I totally agree. Uh, what drives me crazy is, is when, this, like, when you see people who uh, push open source and are open source advocates, like this is the thing. Like you can take something, fork it, do it your way. At least that's the way I view it. And it drives me crazy when I see people, like you see all these people who are all about open source and all about this stuff. And then somebody says, I'm going to fork WordPress. And they say, you're stupid. Anybody that follows that person is stupid. It drives me mental. Um, look, the fork of, of WordPress in, in the agency world has been talked about for the last four years. Is from when I, I, you know, not naming other agency names, but 
plenty of people have come up and say, hey, look, we don't like the, 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 uh, the update path that WordPress is going down. I think for enterprise, they want something much more stable, something that doesn't uh, deploy updates as fast as WordPress does. Let's make our own. The backroomed dealings of that has always been something that agencies have at least talked about to provide some kind of enterprise-grade WordPress. And I'm simply shocked that it's taken this long to, to happen. And I think I mentioned this last time I was on the show. I feel like Drupal community embraces this kind of thing. I, I mean, at least it's been a while since I've been in the Drupal community, but when I was there, I feel like that was the thing. Like, hey, here's Drupal, but here's Drupal as a CMS or as a CRM. Here's Drupal as a, you know, whatever, like all these different flavors of Drupal that people were launching. And I just feel like with WordPress, it's just, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> it's just driving me crazy. Like, you want to fork it? Fork it. Support the people. It's open source, whatever. Don't support them. That's okay. Move on and do your own thing. Um, I don't know. But what I agree you, with Morton on the deployment of all of this is, has caused this. And it's going to cause animosity and it sucks. Yeah. What do you think, Chris? I would just reiterate the points that, I mean, open source is open source. Things can be forked. It's okay. That's part of the culture. And we have a leadership and a PR issue here. So you definitely think there's a leadership problem with the yeah, especially with communication of vision and and uh, to multiple stakeholders who have you know not just developers but the agency owners, uh, the business community, the everyday user. All these people need a mess messaging and communication around what's coming and why. And I think that's just what's missing here because a lot of leadership is navigating the future, and that's not happening well. Yeah, before, I'm going to put it over to Spencer in a second. Um, but to answer Moulton, I think this is only my opinion, Moulton, but I think I've got a very good answer to your initial question of why you, what you have outlanded, which is totally logical to me, hasn't been adopted. And that is the commercial need and pressures on WordPress.com. <clears throat> Basically, they're losing, they're bleeding customers. And um, what I've heard, you know, Wix, other competitors. No, that's a complete red herring. You're obsessed with this whole conspiracy bullshit. <laughs> even if there was a, if, even if there was a I legacy... Think, I think it's obvious. No, no, no. A legacy version of WordPress has no impact on WordPress.com at all. We already have legacy versions of WordPress. You can go back and install WordPress 0 0.7 if you want to. Do you want me to tell you why it does apply? No, this is dumb. <laughs> I'm no, sorry. Uh, <laughs> like it does not apply. WordPress.com is a software as a service. You can't choose to back, like roll back WordPress.com. I, I understand your argument is just not correct. You're trapped in like a bubble of conspiracy around automatic. <laughs> it's Alex King. Yeah, good. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll be watching too much info wars. Haven't I? Uh, um, what do you reckon, Spencer? All right. It's kind of. I, I'm going to start with like an, uh, an ominous quote. It's like, those who do not remember the mistakes of the past are doomed to repeat them. What I find is that, and I love this community, but WordPress has become a very paternal environment. You will do as we say. We are going to decide this. Like we just were talking about the upside. We're not going to tell you where this is going or where we're going to let you off the bus or how it's going to happen or for what reason. But all of you 19.5 million users or whatever the number is today are all going to go for the ride, take it or leave it. The danger is, if you just look a couple years back to the thing, and I mentioned this because I love this story, 
jigger shop fork into WooCommerce, WooCommerce becoming the huge moneymaker for automatic. It's like, do you remember when those guys like got into a war with the jiggle shop crowd and guess who won and so forth? It's like, there's a lot of people that are talented who might just decide, you know what? I really didn't join this open source community to be babysat. And if you push this issue any farther, we're going to jump over to that side of the fence. And if that happens, I don't see how there's any legal, moral, ethical, or business way that automatic could stop a large majority of users to just Red Sea parting one side or the other. And now it's like, which is the better product, Jigo Shop or WooCommerce? Which is the better WordPress version, Classic or you know Gutenberg? Ta-da! Now you've created essentially a split in your audience of people for, as Morton rightly says, and Matt as well, for what? Why? Why couldn't they just say, hold on, let's pause this, get some kind of consensus about what's our better idea, and probably keeping a United States of America is better than a civil war. I think we learned that lesson, so ta-da. But the paternal, or I I don't want to say ego, because I don't know even who makes these decisions, but this like, we know better for you than you know attitude that seems to pervade a lot of decisions and also things like even in the forums, if you ask a question that's a little too close to home, boom, you're banned for five days. Why? Because mommy said so, daddy said so. That I think is starting to become more obvious in this, like, which choice do I have? Because even WordPress itself, you can't deny the software is awesome, but you don't need anybody's permission to just do what you want with it. So I'll get my 10 great friends and let's do something else. Yeah, what what do you reckon, John? You know, I'm not going to put words in to your mouth, but, you know, I feel that you've been a bit, you know, you have your concerns and criticisms. What do you think about all this? Well, a lot of the pushback is coming because up until this point, the people in the WordPress community who are contributing and the people who listen to podcasts and the people who do five for the future and donate their time for free to push this project forward, they've felt like their voices have been heard. This pushback is coming because at this point, they, they don't feel like their voices are being heard. And as Spencer mentioned, in the forums, you see that on the Gutenberg plugin, the, the, the forums, if you say anything too negative, there's been reports of people having their reviews deleted or, you know, admins jumping in there and being condescending. And that's not a way to bring this forward. So um, it, people have been saying for a few years, well, if you don't like how, you know, WordPress is going, why don't you just fork it? Now somebody has forked it. And the other part of this too, I think a lot of the pushback um, on the other side of people saying classic press will fail. No one will support this. Who will do this? Who will do that? It comes from people who have built their whole business around WordPress. Like everyone on this panel has built their entire business around WordPress, whether we're offering a, a plugin or a theme or a service around it. And so there's a lot of fear around what happens if it fractures in two. But like it has been stated, it's open source. That's part of the game. So, Yeah, I'm going to um, put this to Lee. Um, I know Morton thinks I've lost the plot totally, and I love you, Morton. But I think, I think you're not seeing the obvious. I'm going to put this to Lee and let him, you know, decide, be the decider, right? My friend Lee, I love you, oh. Lee. Please come. Okay, come and well, I'm actually me. on Morton's side. I, 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 all right, fair enough. You're going <laughs> to move me now, are you? Yeah, I'll go on to that now. Uh, um, but no, I think it's pretty obvious that this was all driven by commercial. You know, when 
when somebody gets 36 million VC funding, it's the VCs that make the final decision. I'm sorry, it's just the obvious. Well, like, it's, it's not unreasonable to think that at all. It's not unreasonable to think that, yes, there are going to be decisions, there's going to be direction that WordPress wants to go that potentially will have some sort of commercial remit. They are a business, they have to make money. I also don't see a problem with Classic Press whatsoever actually starting and happening because there are tons of businesses that have built platforms, services, etc. that do that could potentially break. If we don't know the direction, Morton's right, it's not been communicated very well, the direction of WordPress. Some people are very potentially going to be very tempted to go over to Classic Press simply just to protect the investment that they've made and to hopefully get some sort of long-term support. You you would expect long-term support on a particular version. It's such a big shift from 4.9 to 5.0. I'm in agreement with Morton. It would have been great if two things, um, there'd have been a long-term support version so that I gives people a few years to shift um, and equally more uh, more transparency. I think it was Spencer, sorry, that was saying more transparency about the direction that we're going um, rather than, you know, the... Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I, I seem to remember that we weren't even sure if it was going to be React.js at one point to run Gutenberg. And that was only... feels like it was five weeks ago. I know it was longer than that. But, you know, that doesn't seem to be quite so much of of that good communication going on at the moment, which kind of sucks. And that might also, again, be a commercial thing. I don't know. You potentially have a point, you know, conspiracy theories have been proven true in the past. So why the hell not? This is my most political answer, mate, so that you'll have me back on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just add a tiny piece of history into this, just so that people understand? I think personally that this comes, this entire mess stems from the introduction of the Classic Press plugin. Now, it's important to realize that the Classic Press plugin was not originally going to happen at all. It was, it started off as a plugin called Gluten, no, Gluten Free or Gluten Free, something like that, Uh, or Glutenberg Free, which was a joke created by a by a lead developer. To say like, you know, if people don't want to, because there was a lot of talk about like, well, if people don't want this, you can just deactivate it, right? So, and then it grew from that into like, we need some way of allowing people to keep updating WordPress while still not introducing Gutenberg early, uh, right away. And then that has grown into this instead of a proper, um, uh, a proper long-term support branch of WordPress, we're going to make you install this wonky plugin. And here's the kicker. If you go on Twitter and you look at a conversation I was having with a bunch of people a couple of days ago, you'll see that I I said, the classic editor plugin is a bad idea because the whole point of the Gutenberg development process is it's supposed to move beyond the editor. So the second it moved beyond the editor, you would then either need a second plugin to capture whatever Gutenberg is doing outside the uh, editor, or you have to extend the uh, scope of the classic editor plugin. So now you have to maintain this plugin that basically sits on top of WordPress and disables functionality inside WordPress, which is very, very tricky because of how Gutenberg is developing. So the reality is, if you install the classic editor plugin now, you'll disable Gutenberg. Then when Gutenberg moves, there's almost no chance that the classic editor will 
ha- will have the ability long term to keep you off Gutenberg. So it'll actually introduce a new problem into the community that needs more maintenance than simply having a proper fork that just says this is the classic version of WordPress if you want that stick here. The other problem here is because we now have this shard or what do you call it, this schism inside the community, what will end up happening is the classic press people will actively promote for people to not update. Whereas if there was a proper legacy version of WordPress, it would not be promoted. It would be something like, if you need an old version of WordPress, it's there, but don't use it. Instead, you'll have an active community who has a vested interest in telling people to not go with WordPress. That's why we get this massive schism, and that's why it's going to keep separating. Right. Uh, Max, you know, in your latest videos and on your blog, you've been talking about Jetpack, you know, um, you've been talking about Gutenberg. You seem to be hinting that, um, and I'm putting words in your mouth, but you'll put me right, I'm sure, is that you seem to be hinting that from WordPress.com and the way this going is that um, the enthusiasm about supporting WordPress.org is waning a little bit on the top echelons of the... Uh, would you like... Am I on the right path here, or am I totally incorrect? <clears throat> well, I, I... I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I should side with you. <laughs> I don't know what that's going to do with my, for my political career. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, look, I, I, I don't hide from the fact that I do think... Like, when we question leadership, where are these decisions coming from. I only have one place to point. That's my own opinion. If, if, if the big question is who's making decisions, why are these people making these decisions? I can only think it's, it's financially driven and maybe not financially driven, but here's the features I want to see in WordPress being dictated by someone. Um, and I think See, I just like to listen to what Matt says, and we talked about this the last show, like with this interview with interview on Recode uh, with Kara Swisher. Like, you can hear some of the things that he leads to with talking about Gutenberg, and I just know it's it's just a way to it's going to be a monetization avenue for them. I mean, I don't think that's a, a that's a anything that's hidden or or not visible to a lot of people. Um, you know, and, and I, I wonder when lead developers are building this stuff and if they're saying it's like a page builder, is that because that's the future plan? Like, is that, is because there's a roadmap we don't see, they know they're eventually going to get there. You know, same thing with Jetpack, strong feelings about that. When uh, it was talked about with Jetpack being one of the reasons why WordPress grew as fast as it grew. And I was just like, what? Uh, but that was because I, f- I feel like Matt knew where Jetpack was going well before we all knew where it was going, obviously. And that, I mean, I can only, I'm only predicting, I'm only taking a guess uh, shot in the dark, but that, that's the way I, I, I try to listen to the way that, that Matt refers to things and how other people refer to things and put the pieces of the puzzle together that way. Um, I don't think it's 100% financially driven, but I am more in the camp of it's a big reason why we're doing what we're doing. And maybe if it's not financially, it's just how do we keep capturing this, this piece of the pie? Um, and it's the only way you're going to do it is to go up against these other platforms. 
and see there, Greenberg makes see sense there. in that regard. See there, Morton, Uncle Jonathan isn't totally bonkers. See, Jonathan, didn't you, you? I don't want to attribute this to you, but somebody in the notes before the show posted the idea, like, why doesn't Automatic just get it over with and buy the other page builders? And I just want to throw something out there. If one looks at the finances of this, there's lots of ways to win a war, lots of ways to win a financial competition. If WordPress really wants to win in this area and unconfuse the area of page builder, not, I don't think it would be very hard to buy out the two or maybe three leading page builders and get rid of them, give themselves some breathing room and call it a day versus this whole like, who's going to side? Because one of the things I think will be a very powerful force would be if this classic fork happens and the page builders have a financial incentive to do so, they're going to go with the classic because the Gutenberg stands as a potential competitor. Now you've got all the good stuff lined up on the classic side. And now it's like uh, our version 1.0 Gutenberg versus everything else. It, it really becomes hard. I, I think that's, I think that's exactly, I think that's exactly the picture that they, I don't think they need to buy them. Number one, they know that they don't need to buy a page builder. Um, I feel like the e-commerce thing was just because, it could accelerate that a lot faster. I think the technology of Gutenberg is going to be something else. I think, the, I think they want to own that technology and that experience because it's getting, it's getting us, and this is what, I'm, what I mean. I think it's going to be a piece of something else we don't know about yet. Mm-hmm. The evolution of it. Um, and but they're looking big, at page. It's a, big, it's a big, your point is well taken. I agree with you. If they have that long-term plan, the problem is, who comes along for that ride versus saying, I'm getting off here at this port. And that's yeah. where I would feel like a lot of us would have a vested interest in telling our clients and otherwise, hey, let's stick around here on this island and let that ship go off into the night and see where it goes later. Yeah, it's easy, to, it's easy for them to, to win that battle when they own WordPress.com. <laughs> see, I personally, I, you know, I have no evidence for this at all. But I personally feel that a price is being paid quite considerably for the for the decision to spend thirty million for WooCommerce. You know, in in the higher echelons, the backers, the commercial bank, a a, a pricing manager, managerial um, confidence in. I'm looking for the right word. Um, it was bought for thirty million. It was an open. It was an open source fork. I had no idea why they paid thirty million for it from day one. Um, the, there was no sizable criticism of that decision in the WordPress press podcast community. I thought it was a terrible decision, and it's not been integrated into WordPress dot com. And yet. I pers- yet, yet, yeah, um, yet. And I've, I personally felt, feel that some of the leadership lost credos over this decision. And some of what we're seeing now is a consequence of that decision. But that is only my personal um, synopsis of the situation. But um, you know, for some people, 30 million is chicken feed. But it's, to me, it's still a substantial bit of change. And I I'd really... Um, thought it was a terrible decision really but there we go uh, um, we're going to go for our break and we'll be back in a few moments folks 
Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back. <laughs> We're coming back. Oh dear, I'm getting some looks from the panel. Morton must be Morton. You must be a masochist, right? Because you just keep showing up to this week after week, and I, I I keep saying, well, if he's still showing up, I guess I'll I guess I'll oh, log in. <laughs> if I ever see Morton step away, sorry, I'm out. <laughs> you won't see me anymore. Oh, that's not. It's important to see what crazy people are saying. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say. I really don't know what to say. This you be nasty to me, you lot. I I just try. Running. It's because we love you, Jonathan. You're nasty to me. Uh, um, I just want a decent conversation. I just don't want something everybody agrees with one another. God, how boring would that be? That would be well, I, I disagree. <laughs> well, go on. what do you disagree about then? I, I don't know. I just I was helping you out, man. I was just disagreeing because you said you don't want us all to agree. <laughs> so I, I absolutely disagree fundamentally with whatever you just said. <laughs> right. Uh, what, what did you think of the previous discussion part one of this, then, Lee? Uh, which, which part of this discussion? The, the, the classic press? or Whatever takes your mind. Whatever. Uh, oh, I, I'm... I, <laughs> classic press... I'm intrigued to see what happens, but I think I've already said that. I, I still am with Spencer. I have literally no idea, and I would love to know from you. I'm going to reverse this question. How did the Tinder topic get into this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I'm still blowing my mind. I don't get it. And now the Amazon one that's just about to happen, although I do have an opinion on that. But it's Lexi. My mind, my mind is different to Alice. He has dyslexia as well. You, you realize your mind works in a slightly different way. They, uh, Chris, let's finish off. What did you think of, of the conversation about in part one? Change is coming. Change is hard. Leadership's required. And um, I think there's still opportunity to put it together, you know, conflict, like things can emerge out of conflict, but the, the clock is ticking. And I think the big blind spot is the, you know, 99.9% of users who aren't in WordPress insiders. We got to take care of those people through the transition. And they're counting on the WordPress community to not mess this thing up. And so it's a very important moment. And, I, and just on the page builder note, I'm optimistic that page builders in Gutenberg can coexist. If it is an editor replacement, you know, instead of dra dragging in the, the old editor, we'll be dragging in the Gutenberg editor and it'll start there and then keep iterating. And then maybe Gutenberg will take over the whole website and better structure the data. But if step one, like when I was playing with Gutenberg the, the other day and it just messed with the post and pages, and I was like, that's cool. It didn't mess it up anything else on my site. That was okay. My site didn't break. It didn't explode. I was able to move forward. I know there's big plans for the future, but 
what did come on me and, you know, outside of beta was completely workable. And to answer your remarks, Matt, I've accepted that certain, I'm not going to get certain invites to certain events. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not going to be asked on certain podcasts. Um, and I'm not going to be part of certain close groups. I've accepted that, Matt. I've accepted my purpose in life. So, so, <laughs> That's good. You know, it's, all, it's all good, isn't it, Matt? So why, why can't, so I guess this question is more for Morton. Why not? Why don't we hear people fighting more for a call to leadership, a call to more transparency at that level versus just fighting at the feature level? Like, oh, this Gutenberg thing is stupid. I don't want blocks. Like there's all this effort put into that. Why isn't there more effort to make that level of transparency for the rest of the users, right? Who's leading this? Why are these decisions being made? So... You can try this yourself. This is a very entertaining experiment. So you turn around, you walk like four or five steps until you get to the wall behind you. And then you talk at the wall and you try to get it. <laughs> That's the experience. If you've, it like, if you've paid attention for the last six years, you've seen that I'm having an ongoing conversation with Matt Mullenweg through a conference yeah, <laughs> because that's the only way of getting an actual response from, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. those responses are very, very, and like very deliberately vague and mm-hmm. hard to uh, get anything out of. I think one of the huge problems with, I, I keep saying this and people laugh at me, but it's true. WordPress is in everything but explicit name a grassroots political organization that's grown way too big Mm. to not have proper leadership. Um, What's happened is we had this like WordPress when I started with WordPress and when many of you started with WordPress was this small thing that the people who contributed to it were the people who were using it and we kind of had direct touch with the communities and we've just grown too big for that so we no longer have any connection with the actual people who use wordpress so you have this inner one percent who knows what's going on which all of we are included in and then you have the rest of the world who actually use the application who doesn't interface with the wordpress community and doesn't have any input but the so the flat structure model of everyone can do whatever they want and we have a meritocracy and the features that come into WordPress are coming in because people bother to actually build them and there's like some oversight but not much and you can kind of get friends with people and get stuff in. That model does not work for the size of application. And what's happening is Matt is trying to fix that problem. He's just going about it in a techno-libertarian um, uh, utopian way that does not work. Like when when Matt um, introduced the uh, feature plugin model, that was a direct response to this uh, to the um, what's it called the uh, custom post types UI, which was a complete disaster. Right, and, and what he said was, we can't iterate on core itself because sometimes the things we try to put into core are actually bad. So we need to put them into plugins. At least they can be tested first. The problem is, along with that, did not come uh, who makes the decision on whether or not those things get baked in. So what happens now is, and I know this because I work with people who do this stuff, if you want something into WordPress, you just make a feature plugin and make enough noise about it and it becomes part of WordPress core. Unless unless someone who has decision-making power specifically steps in and goes, no. And that's usually not because it doesn't have merit. It's because for some reason you didn't 
talk to them the right way or whatever. So there's a, there's a very clear management structure is just completely invisible. And if you ask any of the people that have power, they will tell you they don't because they don't officially. And if they officially state they have power, then they're automatically you know, pulling the curtain down on the, the, what do you call it? The wizard behind the machine. There's this, and then the entire community is propping this up because everyone is afraid that someone will like come and crack down on it and be like, you know, you make too much noise. I'm just not going to talk to you anymore. And no one else is going to either. Right. And there is this, I can tell there's this genuine fear of being too loud about things because there might be reprisals. Now, it's important to point out there have not been any reprisals for anything up until this point. It is just a feeling that it might happen at some point that someone's mm-hmm. going to do it, right? And mm-hmm. that's also part of the reason why I'm so vocal about these things because I want people to see that we need to have these conversations. We can't just, you know, what do you call it? Beat around the bush, run on the outside of the plate instead of jumping into the porridge, as we say in Norwegian. <laughs> it's... It's a, we have a serious, like, um, it's almost like a couple's counseling problem in Mm -hmm. the community of not talking about our real issues. Uh, And it ends up fighting itself out on the fringes with people getting very angry and then nothing gets done. All right, let's go. I just want to go on to the last story and see what the panel, if the panel thought this was shit, but it didn't come from (laughs) Uh, Right. Uh, What is the weird Twitter army of Amazon drone cheerfully defending their warehouse work. What do you think of this one, Spencer? Is this shit? (laughs) Well, I'm going to answer the story because there's a topical relevance to this from other things we talked about. There was a recent news article unrelated to Amazon employees that was about how one of the, one of the TV, I don't know what you call them. One of, one of these entities that owns about 174 TV stations recently had a political motivation to tell all of the announcers to say the same exact thing across 174 markets. And somebody caught wind of it and made a composite video, like one of those grids where they had like 174 different announcers saying the same thing. And it was really freaky scary until you read the details and you realize that one company basically, you know, sends the orders from the top. It does not surprise me at all. (laughs) Amazon, when you look at uh, the ratio, by the way, love Jeff Bezos, love what he's doing. And I don't think he's at fault for this, but hold on. He makes 200, I think. (laughs) Hold on, hold on. Let me just finish the thought. You can beat me up with a stick. There was a thing that in the old days, CEO, just relax, made 20 times the, the lowest employee. Then it went up to 54 times. Then today's average is 200 times. And I think Jeff Bezos is like, 2,700 times or whatever, but he doesn't make it in salary, of course, because he makes it in just how much he owns of the company. He only takes like a dollar salary or something. My point is, is it really surprising that a company who I do love and I order from them every single day, like Amazon, does not have a million people out there doing this? I mean, I'm surprised there's only 100 or whatever, 15 or whatever the number was caught because it seems to me that their biggest problem right now is... (laughs) They're eating everybody's lunch and everybody loves them, in my opinion. There's not any of the political stuff that's come out other than their factory workers' positions and so forth. But it still comes down to, like, how else are they going to fight it? They're either going to pay people more money and make it a country club, which maybe they'll do in the future, but they're not prepared to now. I mean, Howard Schultz seemed to have done that with some of the Starbucks problems, like in his Band-Aid way. 
But Jeff Bezos has not yet come out to my knowledge, even though I do think he's a really quality guy and a CEO and said, you know what? Like there's something wrong with why people even have this problem. Like we've got all the money in the world of a worker in our factory is going to lose their jobs to robots. But in the meantime, we should pay them like a, a better amount of money. So these conversations can happen. That's my answer. My answer is they've got the money to fix it, but they're doing it this way unsurprisingly because some VC or corporate guy or whoever it is that's giving me advice is saying, just make an army of people. Nobody will ever figure it out. And they're going to get caught with their hand in the cookie jar and then they're going to look silly and eventually they'll fix it or they won't, but they're at least going to be called for BS. And that's right. Right, John, you know, you you introduced me to this story. What what did you find interesting about it and why did you want to discuss it? Well, a couple things. Um, Amazon, I don't know if people are aware of it. You know, Jeff Bezos is on track to become the, the world's first trillionaire, but a lot of it's on the back of uh, cities giving Amazon ridiculous tax breaks, uh, you know, the government giving tax breaks to them. And instead of taking care of their employees, the warehouse jobs are, are their backbreaking work. They basically use you up. You don't get paid uh, very much at all. They tell you, uh, you know, when you can go to the bathroom, like, you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculously worse than what you think it is. Um, it, you know, they pay them like robots, basically. So, uh, a course to uh, kind of subdue some of that stuff. It seems that Amazon is taking lessons from St. Petersburg and and getting at these bot uh, Twitter bots, or maybe they're allegedly they're real people, but basically they're spewing out this propaganda that like, oh yes, we get to take bathroom breaks, and uh, you know it's it's you know great working these twelve hour shifts and uh, you know just basically destroying our bodies for you know minimum wage. Uh, so it's just a big propaganda thing. I just found it very interesting. You know, it, it's great that we have these big companies that make lots of money, but I, I think we got to really examine the systems and, you know, who does it really benefit? Like a couple little shareholders at the top. Um, why are the, the people that are doing all the work, you know, not profiting from this? You know, why do we have to have this type of propaganda on Twitter? which seems to be the social platform of, uh, you know, bots and propaganda. So there you go. Yeah, I'm going to end it now because I think we had a good discussion. I don't want it going over an hour, really. Um, Matt, <laughs> sorry, someone's got to make a decision. Don't they? Uh, uh, Matt, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to, Matt? Craftedbymatt.com and pagely.com. That's great. And Lee, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Agencytrailblazer.com and I also suggested in the comments that WordPress maybe could get some bots going to get some support for Gutenberg. That's a great idea. Everybody else is, obviously. Gutenbots. Uh, um, it's, it's robots is the answer, isn't it? Um, John, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? You can find me at my website, which is LockdownSEO.com. Also go on YouTube, search hashtag LockdownSEO. Check it out. Uh, and Maldson, how can people find out more about you and your wise words? Alice in Chains just released a new album. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's going to be Morton in Chains pretty soon. <laughs> All right. And, uh, oh, God, I don't know. And Chris, how, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? 
<laughs> you can find me at lifterlms.com and I do have some bots over there that you can talk to, but they do not venture out into social media. They stay on the website. You've got to, you have to, you're the CEO, so you've got to have to control everything. They do well. Um, Spencer, how can people find out more uh, what you're up to? I want to verify too that I will be taking a bathroom break after the show. And otherwise, you can reach me at wpautomationlab.com. <laughs> uh, my, my employer lets me go to the bathroom after the show. All right. Yeah. All right. That's great to know. Thank, thank you for that information. I really appreciate that, Spencer. Um, Folks, it's been a great conversation. We have intense conversations here. We dare to go where no other WordPress podcast dares to go in our Friday shows. Uh, to some taste, it's too far. To others, we love your feedback. Whatever good, bad or indifferent you want, the more you, information you give to us, the more I will respond in how we go with this show. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.